Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Cheeky Vibe, Peaceful Life. My name is Lauren Mazadonsky. And my name is Michelle Moss. And today we have a guest who is a very, very good friend of mine named Kelly Lewis. Hi, Cal. Hi, Kelly. Kelly was a guest host um, back when we interviewed Leanne during our Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So Kelly's familiar with our our gig here. Um, But today we're going to pick Kelly's brain a little bit. Um, about finding happily ever after divorce. So Kelly um, and I met, I'm going to give a quick little brief story on how I met Kelly, who became one of my closest friends. Kel, how many years ago was that now? Oh my gosh, just two and a half years ago. And that's so strange because I feel like I've known you a lifetime. I know. Um, so I feel like you guys have too. I, I would have known that it was only that long ago because I've known you way longer. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So um a couple of Octobers ago, um, was it October, I think? And and I saw my neighbors talking to this couple and I'm like, oh, I wonder who that was, you know, cause I'm being a maybe neighbor, I can't even talk. Um, and the next thing I know, there's a knock on the door. So I go to the door and I open the door and there's this beautiful woman, it was Kelly, standing there with her husband um, and he had his head down. And so with his baseball cap on, I'm like, well, that's kind of strange. He's greeting me at the door with his head down. Um, and the next thing I know, he pops his head up and here Dave was a friend of ours 25 years ago. And we knew Dave in his first marriage with his first wife. And so here's Dave at the door with Kelly and they're like, hi, we're your new neighbors. And they had moved in (laughs) up on the corner and they were just going around meeting and greeting the neighbors. And one of our neighbors that we're very close friends with had said, "Um, oh, those are the mosses that live over there. And Dave's like, the mosses, you mean John and Michelle? And and Rich and Robin said, yeah, that's John and Michelle Moss. He's like, oh my gosh, I know them. And so here we are 20 some years later at my door (laughs) with Kelly. And as soon as she walked in the door and they, well, we didn't leave Dave outside. We brought him in too. <laughs> but as soon as they were in my kitchen and I was talking to Kelly and of course, Kelly does things very extravagantly and generously. She's bringing gifts to all the neighbors instead of neighbors welcoming them with gifts. So she hands us this box of chocolate and just starts talking. And that moment I knew that we were kindred spirit. I mean, it was like, oh my gosh, I connect to this woman. Um, and so then from that point on, we forged this friendship. We go places, we do things, we've gone on vacation together. Our husbands, because we've already been friends with her husband, um, just reconnected and just kind of went forward. So that was our our journey and how we met Kelly. Um, and so Cal, we're gonna just pick your brain a little bit because you and Dave are a wonderful match. And we could talk about your previous marriage, but this one we wanna focus on um, happily ever after, you know, yeah. the previous marriage would be a whole other <laughs> podcast on overcoming. And, and if you have to do that, we might get to that. Um, but that was a very unhealthy relationship on a lot of abusive type things going on. So we're not going to speak on that. We're going to speak on your relationship with Dave and, and where that, you know, where that came from. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so after your divorce, did you take some time to work on yourself and your own issues that you needed to work through? Absolutely. I honestly think that that's crucial in moving forward. Um, I'm really a firm believer and you don't really know where you're going if you don't understand where you've been. Mm. And um, I think you need to be in a good place to move forward. And, you know, divorce is, it's tough. 
and it takes a lot of emotional toll on you. And, um, and I think you need to stop and take a good hard look at, okay, this, there might've been a, even a certain circumstance that happened in it, but there's a lot more that goes into it. So you want to kind of take a good look at yourself. So you don't repeat maybe some of the mistakes or some of the things that you did in your first marriage that was unhealthy. And that's a good point to start with then when you say you're learning about yourself, what did you learn about yourself after your divorce? Now, I want to tell you, I know that your husband previously was a bit abusive and I right. want to say, like I said, we're not really focusing on that, but what did you, cause sometimes we contribute without knowing it. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> one of the big things I learned about myself was I, pretty much always made decisions based on what I thought others needs and expectations were. <clears throat> and what I mean by that is I stayed really in an unhealthy marriage for 18 years. And I did it because, <clears throat> you know, I came from a family that had no divorce. So I, I really was not familiar with divorce. And I just felt like you know, well, you just stay in a marriage. You just stay in that relationship because that's just what you do. It, sure. it doesn't yes. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. And then there was the whole thing of guilt because I had a daughter and I thought, oh, you know, I don't want to do that to her. I don't, you know, even though I knew my relationship wasn't good, I just felt like, oh, it's best to stay, to stay married. So I realized that making decisions based on those types of things were not in my best interest. Um, I also lost any self, um, any sense of self in my first marriage. You know, I was a wife, I was a mother, I was a nurse, but I really didn't have my own identity. It's kind of like I went through the motions, but forgot about taking care of me. I kind of took care of everybody else. And then probably one of the other things was I had no self-esteem. I didn't realize how much I didn't have any self-esteem until I really took a good hard look at it. And, and I had to work at it to get it back. It's interesting too, because when you're working, when you're, when you lose your sense of self and you're living for everybody else, you do lose your self-confidence because you don't yeah. know who you are. You're just living for everybody else. Yeah. What did you do to work on like kind of getting your identity back? Oh, man. Um, you know, I did things I, I would say that are pretty normal. You know, I, I took a, a good look at my lifestyle. Um, I, I wanted to become more healthy and take care of more of me and my individual needs. And um, even though that was really difficult for me to do, I, I did do that. You know, I focused on really even eating better and, um, mentally being better. Um, that's a tough one. I, I'm not really sure what else to say. With well, those were, I mean, yeah, those, those were all, were all really good. good. Those are the things that we would say, um, taking care of yourself. You, sh you shifted from taking care of everybody else to finally taking care of yourself, which led to building your self-esteem. So that's actually full circle. So did right. that kind of, did that, um, what did that bring up for you? Did it make you kind of think of your other ones in life? Now, I mean, for yourself or for a future relationship? Yeah, absolutely. Like um, there were things, you know, when I first got married in my first marriage, we started dating when I was 18. We got married when I was 21. 
I had my daughter at 22. We were so young and honestly, we were immature. So I have to tell you in my first marriage, I did not stop and think about, I mean, as embarrassing as this is, I didn't stop and think about, is this the right man for me? Is this really what I want? You know, not, not at all. I just was like, okay, well, I'm dating. Well, I guess you get engaged. Oh, I guess you get yeah. married. Okay. Oh, okay. The, shoulds, the shoulds came back out. I'm dating this guy. I should get married. Well, I should have a baby. Yeah, it's like all the steps you think you have to take. Yeah. Yeah. And it is important to say that you're, you know, you recognize the immaturity and, and maybe it's not really immaturity. It's inexperience. Mm -hmm. and, and how we say, I can't give to the younger generation what my knowledge base is because it comes with experience, right? right. You're right. a different person than you were. Oh, no question. So in my next, you know, when I was looking the second time, which was very scary to me because my first marriage, I didn't really date before him. So I had really no experience in dating at all. So the thought of dating at the age of 40 scared the heck out of me. So, um, well, you know, another thing I did want to bring up, I hate to bounce back, but when you asked me, what did I do for myself? You know, one of the things I did do was I did seek counseling. I was going to ask that. I, I did see, and I, I want to put that in there because you are kind of um, going through a lot. You know, you for when you go through a divorce, you know, we all want to work on our marriage. We all want it to be successful, but there comes a point in time where you realize that it's it's not, or or maybe you don't have a choice, and it's told to you, "Hey, I want a divorce." Um, and, and you, like I said, your self-esteem, your self-confidence, all that takes a hit, not to mention the fact that you're just, you know, um, sad that a relationship ended. There's a lot of emotions. And I think that seeking out therapy helped me get through and helped me make the steps to be successful and setting me up to be successful in my next um, relationship. So. so how how long did you um from your divorce to deciding okay I think I want to get back on the horse <laughs> I think I want to date again so where where did that how long did that go and when did you know you were ready or how did you know you were ready you know I was not ready at first I had no I really had no desire my goal really was to I had done so much of taking care of everyone else's needs. I truly was not in touch with myself at all. So I spent a lot of time on kind of getting to know me, understanding what I wanted. Oh, I love um, that you did that. That's so important. It, it really is. I think jumping into a relationship just for the sake of having a relationship is, is, it was certainly not a good idea for me. I was or not in people that don't like to be alone. Exactly. That's not a good feeling. It's not a good reason just to go get into relationships. Well, and that goes to that not settling, you know, why would we settle just because we want to be in a relationship or don't want to be alone? You know, that's exactly right. And I think to my age, I, I think I realized, you know, I was smarter than when I was, when I was 20. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I sat and really thought about, I want to make sure this next person I pick is somebody that I'm going to stay with the rest of my life, who suits me and what my needs and wants are, and that we can grow, grow old together. And that's kind of what I did. And it took me three years 
And honestly, it was my daughter who really encouraged me dating. Aww, that's sweet. So yeah. when you were finally going to start dating, did you have um, like an idea in your head of what you, what kind of partner you wanted? And a hundred percent. Yes. I, like I said, the first time I did not do that. So I made sure that I had that clear picture in my head the second time and not to be like, I'm not a, a picky person or, but there were certain qualities that I knew that um, I knew loyalty was a big thing for me. Honesty was a big thing, which is of course, probably important for everybody, but those were very important qualities for me. Um, you know, I wanted somebody who was, um, that I was attracted to and, you know, the, all the things that we probably all say smart and successful but that I also had similarities with because they didn't, in my first marriage, I did not have that. We truly had not one thing in common. So we couldn't, we didn't have anything to share together. So I knew in my next relationship, I needed to have that. I needed to have those similarities. Well, and I want to pause for a second and say, you know, you said you're picky. You're not picky. I don't, I wouldn't call it picky. And this is the therapist in me coming out. Standards and healthy. Mm -hmm. This is healthy boundaries. Yes. I have healthy boundaries. Ergo, I'm not going to go for a guy who treats me bad or calls me names or is drunk all the time or doesn't have a job and is laying around in right. his basement. Right. I mean, you know, there's there's yeah. layers to that. And also, there's no there's no. It's not wrong to say you are attracted to because that is really our first psychologically our first thing is we're attracted to attractive people. We are attracted to our person. And then when we get to know the inner part is whether or not this is the person for me. So the, that right, part right. is the first part. And there's nothing wrong with that. We are attracted to the people we're attracted to. And then we go from there. We don't base it on that. That's not where we stop. And it goes on to what you said, all those other things. So that was really, you know, I just wanted to say you weren't picky. You were healthy. Mm -hmm. You were at I, a place to say, I, I'm making healthier, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. But when you started dating, were there any red flags that you were watching for? Um, oh, yeah. So I would say probably one of the biggest things was um, I did not want someone who lived in the past or lived in their past relationships. Mm -hmm. um, that was very important to me. So um, and then probably I wanted, you know, I wanted to definitely have somebody who was honest and I had some, some things that made me, I'm a very trusting person. I'm very, very trusting, but there were some things that happened in my first marriage that um, there was a lot of dishonesty in it. And I, so I really was very careful in choosing someone who I could tell was very genuine and very honest. Would you say, cause this kind of came up for me. Would you say that you learned to follow those like gut feelings better? A hundred percent. I actually put, yeah, that was one of the things that actually came to my head. Um, when I was thinking about all this, definitely trust your gut because mm -hmm. you know, and you know, from past experiences. So a hundred percent. Yes. Yes. I feel like when those things come up, like in my past, I can think of like, situations where it's like, oh, I totally shove that down, but you, but you know, that feeling's there. Right. right. And if it's a problem, if there's a little niggle of a problem that you're, you already have on your heart or in your brain, it's only going to intensify 
10 years down the road or five mm-hmm. years down the road, you know, you have to be able to live with, I mean, there's always little annoyances that we have at some point about each other in a, in a relationship, but it's, can we live with that annoyance or is it going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and become a problem? Yeah. It was big when I heard someone say, oh, and I don't know the exact wording. I always get it wrong. I hate that. But when they were saying um, how that thing that you probably left for her, like was there the whole time and you just overlook it. And yeah. I thought that was so powerful because it's so true. And kind of what you said earlier about like the not settling, right? Those things, those signs, those gut feelings, they're there. Right. It's and not like it all just, all of a sudden just like happened 10 years in. Right. Right. That's well, you know, that's a good point because in my first marriage, I actually did that a lot. I would, I, I'm a very mellow person and it takes a lot for me, but I, I almost did it too much to where I didn't address it. Mm-hmm. And then I got to the point where I think you get to the point where all of a sudden years down the road, you almost start resenting it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because you, you avoided it and then exactly. you it. But yet you didn't say that it was bothering you or how much it bothered you or tried to resolve it back when it started bothering you. So yeah, that's a good point. Well, and that goes back to what I preach, communication, compromise, and empathy. You got to communicate when something's going on without being accusatory. I feel, and we had just talked about this a little bit ago, I feel hurt when you say this, or I feel frustrated, or I feel whatever. And and it's right where our dukes aren't coming up for a fight and they're not defensive. Okay. So um, do you want to tell us the story? Because we've had this debate on our podcast before about (laughs) to uh, date online or not to date online. And so um, you are one of the, the examples I use on to date online and why, because you know people go back and forth. So share your, share your love story of meeting Dave. Well, it's, it's funny because I would have probably been one of those people that were like, oh no, you know, you don't want to meet someone online. But honestly, being a 40 year old person and I mean, I had never really had a lot of dating experience because I knew my first husband when I was young. Um, I knew I didn't want to meet people in certain places. So one of my friends suggested eHarmony. So I, I honestly did it with three of my friends and my daughter encouraged me, like I said, so we literally sat there, the four of us, me and my th- three friends, and answered all oh, these lengthy questions. Let me tell you, it was a long, lengthy process. It it took. But I think that's what's better too. You did eHarmony, one that paid and took effort, not just one that you're plopping pictures on. And exactly, exactly. But it was funny as I was doing it because even though I spent three years of getting to know myself, it's amazing how your friends can make, I would go to answer something and I'd say, oh, I think this. And they're like, no, no, that's not, <laughs> that's not what I mean. <laughs> so I would stop and think about it. I thought, oh, okay, well, I guess I see your point. So I kind of added what they had to say too. And, and that really honestly helped me. Um, but I, I filled that out and then it goes into the system and then it throws matches your way. And believe it or not, Dave was my very first match. Oh, how cool. Sounds was, a little bit like divine intervention. Absolutely. <laughs> and so I did it on a Friday after work and the match was Friday night. We talked, we, we first just did communication on 
because they have you communicate safely just by that. So you're not giving phone numbers or anything like that at first till you feel comfortable. Then when I felt comfortable, which honestly wasn't very long, it was quite quick. It was honestly, I think that weekend, we talked over the phone and then our date was um, about a week later, about five days later, actually. And um, that's how we met was on eHarmony. So how long after that until you knew he was the one? <laughs> two months. Two oh. months. Two months and I knew. I just knew. You know, I don't know how I knew, but I, I think well, I just... Yes, you do, because he, he met those criteria that you just said. He did. You already, you already well-versed, you knew what you were looking for, and he fulfilled those things. He did, did. I mean, I pretty much knew, and I think he did too. Um, we just knew we were a good match. But you didn't have any other dates before him, because you guys met so quickly on there, so. I did, I had one other date, okay. and it, it was a train wreck. <laughs> and so I was, I'd, I really was not real keen on to dating a lot. So as soon as I knew that, you know, this guy's really nice. I really want to see where this goes. I didn't date anymore. I just kind of wanted to see where that relationship would go. So that's, you know, that's what I did. And, and it worked out. Yeah. And that's fair. And that's, you know, you wanted to give it a chance. Now, now I have said to clients not to look for each date as a mate, but just a date. But, Absolutely. but for you, you said, I want to do one at a time and see where this goes and give it a chance before I right. go. Because I've, I've suggested sometimes, Hey, you could meet this guy for coffee at lunch and you could try this guy at dinner, not for anything other than. Right. Right. If it's a click, but luckily for you, Dave, and you clicked from the jump. We did. We, we, our first date was at TGI Fridays. And we spent three hours talking, just talking. And it wasn't about our past relationships. We didn't even bring it up. And, and honestly, even though we had kids, we talked about our kids, but that wasn't the focus. We talked about just kind of getting to know each other. And that's really how we spent our dating process was, yes, our kids are certainly very important to us and they're going to be in each other's lives if that relationship continued to go, but we really wanted to focus on us and on each other. And that's important for sure. Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. long after that did you guys get married? Um, we, let's see, we got engaged one year after we started dating. And then six months later, we were um, married. So a year and a half. What'd you guys do for your wedding? We had, okay, so my first wedding was to someone who was in the military and his schedule was very um, fluid <laughs> and we had to like change our wedding several times. So it was very quick, it was in a chapel, there wasn't a lot of people. So Dave really wanted me to have this big, you know, wedding. And so we had a lot of people at that wedding. And darn and it, I didn't know you then. I know. I, know. <laughs> I love a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a big wedding, a big reception. The kids were in our wedding. Oh, and um, they all, I think one of my most favorite moments was at the reception. They each 
had um, something that they said, except for Maddie. She was, she was just wee little. And um, so I think she was six. So she wasn't quite that comfortable with it. But the other kids, um, they had they had really beautiful things to say at our um, wedding reception. And you know, that's it's a beautiful start. But again, again, there's no idyllic perfect marriage. So tell us and our listeners what was a, like your biggest obstacle. You know, what or, or what did you have to really? fine tune when you guys got together because you're blending two families, you're blending two lives. That's, that's what exactly what I was going to say was the toughest thing, <clears throat> learning how to navigate in a blended family <clears throat> situation. This is important for my friend here. Who's um, in a serious relationship. Yeah. I mean, kids and she has kids. <laughs> it's, it, it can be tough. I mean, honestly, at first the kids were young. So, um, with the kids, it wasn't difficult at first, surprisingly, they were young. And I, I think everybody did a real good job with their kids of explaining, you know, Hey, we love you very much, but you know, this is a situation, mom and dad, you know, we, we kind of gave them that spiel of, um, that we, we aren't able to, to stay together, but we still love them. We're still always going to be their mom and dad and their parents. And they did nothing wrong. And, and I, I think all of them did well with that. And it was good at first, as far as with the kids, but then when the younger ones got into teenage years, then that's where it threw some curveballs into it. I think that's when that started becoming tough. People call it the terrible twos. I think mm -hmm. it's the terrible teens. You know, yeah. it's it's hard yeah. in a blended family to navigate. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> it is because it's 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 hard to be a stepmom. You know, it's hard to be a parent, but it's real hard to be a step parent because you have to find that there are boundaries there. You have to find that fine line of navigating through. Um, what to say and what not to say, where that line is. You know, it's not like um, your own kids where you just say what you feel is the right thing to do. You have to, you kind of have to let the parents be the ones to do the discipline. You know, mm -hmm. it's interesting that you're saying that because um, my, our friend Ray, Ray and Brad, you know, Ray and Brad mm -hmm. got married and they had kids. And I always, as a therapist, when she was the principal of the school I worked at, I would always, we would always talk and I'd said, the role of a stepmom sometimes is supportive friend. Yes. Because mm -hmm. you're not going to get in there and tell them what's what, or they're going to resent you. I mean, it, there's, there's some tough boundaries there. And you're, what you're saying is so true. Cause if you come down hard, you're the wicked stepmother. Yeah. And, and I have to tell you, um, Dave and I, we really thought, okay, cause we have the kids a lot. So, and he wasn't always home. So we thought at first, you know, well, this is a good thing for me to be a part of the disciplining. The kids were growing up during all that time, but I think it backfired a little bit in their teenage years. And um, if I had to do it all over again, I would have taken a, a, a backseat to that. And um, I think that's one of the important things that I learned as a stepmom. And, and truly, we did it out of thinking we're doing the right things. But but that that is one thing that I, I wished I would have done a little differently. 
And the good news is they're all grown of age at this point. And now it's basically you and Dave, right? Right, right. So you got yeah. through all those tough years. Good we did. You guys we did. And the key is the key <laughs> to, to be patient, to talk to one another, um, you know, to support each other. Um, cause like I said, it, I mean, it, it can be a, a beautiful thing, but it, it is tricky to navigate through some, some issues sometimes. Mm. So were there any old unhealthy habits that followed you into your new marriage? Um, I would say that we were both pretty good at uh, not allowing that, but you know, I think like everyone, um, we get busy in our lives, especially when, especially I think when we were working, both working crazy schedules and stuff, and um, we would come home and, and things were hectic. I think sometimes we tended to almost talk at each other and not with each other and not be in the moment with each other. But I think now in our second marriage, we're much quicker at recognizing that. And that's, and that's super important for our listeners to hear, because if you don't do what you've done, those three years of self-exploration and self-care and therapy and working on mm-hmm. yourself, and you get into another relationship, if we don't do that work, and this is, these are your words, if you don't work on yourself and find somebody who's worked on themselves, right. repeat the same pile of fun. Yep. That's, that's exactly right. And, and you really don't want to go to do that because you do, you want, and I think you, um, you communicate much more. I know I did communication in my first marriage was, was truly not good. My second marriage, we talk, uh, we really talk well with each other. And you say that about you and Chris, you know? Well, yeah, because we all like deserve the love that we really dream of I just think it takes the work in the beginning to and to be alone and be okay being alone yeah really get to that point because I feel like if you're in that bad place and you have insecurities and you're alone and all that negative energy you're not going to pick that good healthy person that you actually really want Mm -hmm. right okay so um the kids are grown you and Dave um well I guess I'm going to go backwards a little bit when you said life got busy and you were working and he was working and you talked at each other, this is one of those obstacles. How did you overcome that? Was there communication, compromise, and empathy? How did you work through that and where did it go? Um, oh yeah, we actually talked about it. Um, I think one of the big things that we did was when we were both working, <clears throat> we both had pretty stressful you know, he, he's a business owner. I was a nurse in a hospice company. So we had some stressful things happen at work. So we would come home and it was like, we, we would talk about that. And before long, it was like, we talked about it too much. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I think we, we started, we recognized that. And so what we would do was we, we discussed about having almost not an actual time limit, but a certain time to do that. So maybe while we were eating dinner or um, fixing dinner, we would discuss that. But then at at dinner time, it was family time. And then after that, we didn't discuss it. We, We made a time for it because it is important to share with each other, but not 
not to let it consume you, that that's the only thing, you know, you don't want to get to the point where you're just complaining about work or discussing work problems. You need to be in the moment with each other and your family. And that's one of the things that I don't think I recognized in my first marriage. Um, I do it much better my second marriage. Actually what I preach when I do um, couples counseling, that's actually I say, you know, yes, you need to vomit what's in your head. You need to talk about it. And sometimes I even say it's time limited. You've got 15 minutes to talk about this because yep. you learn. And then after that, you compartmentalize it. I need to get better about that. Yeah, and focus on what's going to, because those are, that's a joy stealer, you know, when we're complaining, complaining. So we, yep. but we need to but say even it. just talking about work in general. Yes. Like, it's hard because yep. like when, like your husband, you said he owns his own business. That is so hard sometimes to shut off. Oh, yes. Not that your work wasn't, but I feel like that because I'm so connected to it. Everything is through my phone and and I'm in like a transition stage with some stuff right now that I'm like, I have to not let that consume our conversations because I it's a different kind of support that I have with this relationship than I've ever had before. Like he's like my biggest cheerleader. So it's so easy to be like, ah, this is how I'm feeling. Yeah. Well, that could be hard. So how do you two keep the romance alive in your relationship? Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is we pay attention to each other. Um, we make each other feel wanted and loved. We do little things for each other. Like, um, you know, we hold hands or we appropriately show PDA, you know, I mean, we, we're not afraid to show feelings. If we're even at a friend's house, we've been to John and Michelle's house and we've given each other a kiss before, hugged each other, and we write love notes to each other. Um, Can you I interject know, something that I've seen that I think is something that is so wonderful? Again, we talk about a seriousness of work and, and, and raising kids. What I have seen is you guys both have an amazing sense of humor and that comes <laughs> out and, it, yeah. it's, and it's contagious. And it's also, we need laughter, you know? And so Dave will throw a zinger out there or Cal will say something. And it's like, okay, this is good. That's why it's fun to be around you guys. You know, it's that you can have a time to have seriousness, but it's also finding the joy, you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. You have to have fun for sure. But I think, you know, when you make someone feel special and loved and you're paying attention to them, I, I think the romance then comes easy. You know, the actual intimacy and romance comes easy because you feel good about each other. And even more so if both people are doing that exact thing, same thing. If both of you are putting each other first and cherishing each other and, and loving on each other and, and understanding each other's love languages, which was another podcast we did. Um, it's a win-win because you're both putting each other first. Yeah. Right? Bitterness doesn't set in. Yeah. If you're both doing that, there's no resentment. You're mm -hmm. thinking, I'm giving all I'm all in and so are they so then it's like a lifting of up, up each other yeah you know it's interesting you said about putting each other first and that was one of the things that I think we had a problem with in our in, in my first marriage was my first husband would he was gone a lot and um and it was not usually work related. It was pleasure for him and, and not, um, he didn't include me, you know, in a lot of things. So when I got pregnant, um, which was really 13 months after we got married, um, 
all my focus went to my daughter. Not on developing <clears throat> my marriage and, and, you know, not to, he really wasn't focused on that at all either. So as we went along in our marriage, pretty much all of my focus went to her. So I would feel guilty to spend any time away from her. I worked, you know, I, I, I have this busy schedule. So any time away from her, I felt like, oh, I can't do. I, I, I had that guilt feeling. <clears throat> I had to do, now, even though my daughter was older, <clears throat> I think I realized in my second marriage that just because you work on you have time for you or have time for you as a couple, you should not feel guilty about not spending every moment with your kids. It's important. And let me tell you, your kids will learn more from seeing you in a good relationship. Amen. And learning from that, that will do more for them and their future and their relationships. That was so important for me. Then staying in a relationship because that's what you think the right thing is to do. Trust me, they'll pick up on it. You know, I, I don't even know, Michelle, if I ever told you about this. I can remember when Crystal was nine, we were driving to a friend's house. You remember Vibeka from Sweden? Well, she, her and I lived close together. We were nurses together in Indiana. And on the way there, I was blown away by my daughter in the back seat said, mommy, are you and daddy going to get a divorce? Now I have to tell you, nowhere in my head did I even realize at that point that I truly had a bad marriage, as silly as that sounds, because I did. But I don't know that I recognized it at that point, but she did. And it, we've talked about that since, and there were things that she saw that I didn't see till many years later. So they do pick up on things. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and a couple of things you said is straight out of therapy handbook. You know, uh, when you, when I have couples in there and they're talking about, you know, they don't have any time for each other or they don't understand what's happened in their marriage and they have kids, it's truly putting like literally penciling in that time for date night, because again, I've said a thousand times, kids grow up and move on and have a life. And you have to have something to talk about with your significant other, other than the children, you know, you can't live vicariously for your children. Um, You have to have and cultivate the romance, you know, even if it's one night a month when you got babies. And the other part is very important. You said is that, you know, having a healthy relationship is so much more important for your children to, to have a role model because, you know, I'd rather have a couple get divorced and marry someone that had a healthy example for their children than to stay together for the kids. And then they see misery for their I mean, that was life. like repeat in my head, even my girls were that little, I was like, I want them to see a healthy relationship and one that they will go find. Cause if this was my daughter, I would not be okay with it. Yeah. yeah it, Um, I have to tell you, my daughter said to me, after I met and married Dave, she said to me, I've realized what kind of man I want to look for by you introducing me to Dave. And she found an awesome man who is my neighbor, another neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) Michael and Crystal live right next door. And that's her daughter's (laughs) daughter-in-law. 
So um, when we look at cultivating a healthy relationship with your husband and, and cultivating things that are important to you, how has your social life collectively with your husband? You know, I know you have a lot. I, mean, I got to tell you, Kelly's one of those people that has friends from preschool, you know, <laughs> kindergarten and sixth grade and, and nursing school and in India, like wherever Kelly's been, she's the kind of person that people gravitate to because she's got that personality. So socially, you have a lot of your own personal friendships outside, that, you know, but how does that work with, how do you guys relate socially with, with others and how important is that in your marriage? You know, it's very important. Um, you, you, our friends and family are very important to us and having time with them are very important to us. And we are fortunate, like Michelle said, Dave and I are both fortunate to have friends from from all stages of our lives. And I think the important thing is too, is Dave and I have included each other in all those friendships. You know, if he knew someone prior to me, which, you know, of course we have, because we didn't start dating until I was 42 and he was 44. And um, so, but we've included each other in those. And, and thankfully really, pretty much everybody has been welcoming to, you know, when Dave had friends from his previous marriage, really pretty much everybody has been very welcoming to me and my friends absolutely adore Dave. And that's important too. Your friends, you got good feedback and your friends said, Hey, this guy's a good guy because sometimes we lose sight or get one, you know, tunnel vision. But when we have other people that are saying, like I've said, to Lauren about Chris. I got to meet him on their first date. You know, <laughs> I'm like, wow, you know, I really like this guy. Now we did have a couple glasses of wine and everybody was, you know, happy, but, but <laughs> hey, you know, I met him again. And I met him again. And I'm like, this is a keeper. This guy's a keeper, yeah. but you, yeah. it, it's nice to get that validation from your friends. I mean, mm -hmm. I have people I, I work with that their friends <laughs> can't stand their significant other the person they're dating. And they're all saying, no, don't do it. Don't do it. And it's harder because you have all that disconnect from your friends because you respect them but so it's important i like that yep. Yep. it was a good <clears throat> so what advice would you give someone going to into a second marriage after divorce some of what we've already talked about don't live in the past <clears throat> um and don't let your new partner pay for the mistakes of your previous you know it's it's someone else um, and, and you have to look at it like that. You're starting fresh. You're starting your relationship with this person and, and you don't want to carry that baggage forward. I think that's one thing. Um, <clears throat> don't rehash past problems. You know, if you had, or issues, if you had a disagreement, talk about them with the intent of resolution. And, and that's the, that's so the communication and the compromise. Yeah. 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 Um, I think always being honest with not only yourself, but with each other, even when it's hard, even when it's something that, you know, might even be, you, you never want to hurt someone that you love, but I do believe in being honest. I believe that with being honest with everyone and that can be tricky sometimes, but I think that's important. Um, and making time for each other, you know, as a couple, um, 
I said, not feeling guilty about if you have kids pulling time away from the kids. I think that's crucial in a marriage. Um, and I think we've already touched on being a step parent, kind of knowing the boundaries and knowing how to navigate through a blended family, because it's tough because now not only are you dealing with each other, but you're dealing with exes mm -hmm. and exes in the mix and, um, stirs the pot a lot. It, it does. And you, you just have communication, like you said, Communication to me is so critical to prevent hard feelings, um, you know, to prevent jealousy or um, anything. I, I, I think that's the big key in your second marriage. And then not only saying I love you every day, but showing it, you know, I, I would tell the kids, I think it's very important to hear those words but talk can be cheap if you don't back it up with your actions. So if you just keep hearing it and it doesn't, you're not shown it, it doesn't even register. Yeah, that, that's right. You, you start not believing it. Mm -hmm. And, um, but when you have someone, uh, let me tell you, um, one of the things that has come up in Dave and I's marriage, you talked about being a business owner, right? I know how hard it is. That's your baby. You want it to be successful. No one cares more about, about your business than you do. So it takes a lot of time and effort and energy. So with Dave, sometimes that means in the evening when he comes home, he's still on his computer. Or he's taking phone calls and that type of thing. So we've learned, I've learned to compromise and not get angry at the fact that he's spending time with working and taking time away from me. But I, I learned to almost be um, somewhat grateful that he cares enough about being successful and about having a business and supporting his family and providing us with a wonderful life. Oh, and I, I find that's good. I, I think, you know, I think that's important to do. That is very important. That's mm -hmm. reframing the negativity to positivity again. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, some you're very insightful. Again, we're older. And so we've had a lot of okay. experience and you've had your own counseling. So everything you're saying is absolutely the things that I would say to clients. And, and you know, just just another point I want to make. And again, for Lauren going into, you know, maybe doing a blended family here or sometime you know, down the road here soon, sooner than later, we hope, Chris. Um, but just that the second marriage, you know, can be so much better if you do the work. Now, it can be a problem. And I've said this, we can repeat the same things after marriage, after marriage, you could be a, a serial marriage, you know, person. Right. Do what you've said and what Lauren's done and taking that time to mm -hmm. figure out and what part did I play in that first marriage mm -hmm. that went wrong? You know, where was that? What could I have done differently? How can I grow? Because it's easy to point the finger and say, oh, 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 you know, it's them, it's them, it's them. But, you know, how did we participate in, in this? And how can I make sure I don't do this again? Because I want to tell you, I have seen Dave and Kelly's relationship and it is the most beautiful, loving second marriage and, and it feels like they've been married forever. And it's a very positive example to their children, blended children. Um, mm -hmm. 
And, and the, the example that, yes, the second marriage can be even better. Now, not, I'm not saying that every second marriage is always the best. And if you have a good marriage, you stick with it. Like I'm still married after 32 years. It's been a roller coaster. But, you know, I've worked on those things within my marriage. Yeah. And so many things she's saying, too, can still apply to people that, you know, are in their first marriage, just ways right. to reconnect and, yes. and still make it better if you're struggling. Yes, I think that's really important. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, I, I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah. Well, and I, again, I'm thankful and blessed that you are Dave's wife and my neighbor and my dear, 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 one of my best friends. So it's wonderful that you've moved in and that this played out because now we're enjoying life together in our golden years. I don't know if we're at golden years. <laughs> At, well, is it 50, the new 30 or something like yeah. that? So, you know, go with that. So what does that make me <laughs> a baby, <laughs> but you know, putting that, enjoying life together. And, and we always say this with, whether it's Ray or Brad or Jack and Cindy or you guys, and, you know, another adventure is around the corner and I can't wait to get back to more adventures, you know? Yeah. You know, um, I do want to say one thing, um, when, when somebody is going through a divorce, it's really, really hard. So for people out there that are going through it, just know, like just what you said, a second marriage can be so, so much better and you can be happy again, mm-hmm. but you have to allow it. Mm, you have yeah. to allow yourself to be happy and to be able to look at the things that you you that weren't successful in your first marriage. And like you said about it kind of hit home with me about playing the blame game in my first marriage, there was, um, he was unfaithful. So, but yet what did I do in, in that whole part of that marriage, you know, and I had to take a look at that instead of just kind of pointing the finger Oh, It's just your fault. It's only you. Um, no, there were things I could have done along the way to make our marriage better. So Right. And that goes back to that communicating, you know, sharing your hurt feelings and, yeah. and, and not turning to, like you said, your daughter, hundred percent daughter, 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 you know, yeah. we shut out our husbands or our significant others. And, and sometimes not, I'm, I'm not pointing a blame either, but I'm saying there's collectively things that can, yeah. that if we don't nip it in the butt in the beginning, then it can, can keep extrapolating out and having more and more problems. So, yeah. But um, we appreciate you sharing your story. It's a beautiful story. It's a it beautiful is. And so many, so many good nuggets in there. Yeah. And um, I've got some wonderful quotes I've written down from some, some things that you're saying, like the nuggets of, of wealth of information that we'll share with our listeners, you know, in quote form. But um, thank you, Kelly. I, I, no, you're I'm welcome. happy to be your neighbor and your friend. And so happy to have you on our podcast. So well, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. All right. Thank you, Kelly. You're welcome. As always, listeners, stay cheeky.